Let's open our Bibles to the book of James. Once again, we'll have our attention on the first chapter of James. And this afternoon, our text will be the verses 19 through 25. But in order to see also these verses within their context, we will begin reading at verse 1 and read through verse 25. Hear the word of our God. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures." And then begins the text. Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of men does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing." So far, the reading of Holy Scripture. Let's now sing Psalm 85, stanza 3. In response to the proclamation of God's word, we will sing Psalm 40, the stanzas 3 and 4. theme for the sermon is 
the Lord calls us to a proper response to his word. And he calls us to be first hearers of the word, verses 19 through 21, and doers of the word, verses 22 through 25. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you'd be interested in giving a title to this short letter of James, a good one might be A Believer's Guide to Living Well, with the subtitle, Everything You Need to Know to Be a Mature and Complete Christian. For if you spend some time studying the book of James, you will notice this letter, this theme shining through the whole book, but also in the opening verses of this letter. The author began by speaking about the purpose of trials and why we are to count it all joy when we are met by various trials and difficulties throughout the course of our life. We don't welcome trials because we enjoy suffering and hardship, no one ever does. But we are taught through trials to rejoice in the Lord, to lean on him, and to see how his hand leads all things in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. We count it all joy. Because we know that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. We count it all joy. Because we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. The trials and temptations have their full effect. When through them we grow, mature, And become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Trials are not sent our way to discourage us. But in order that we should become mature Christians. And have our affections set wholly on the Lord Jesus. This is where God. Who is the father of lights. Leads us. And how does he get us where he wants us to be? Well, you know the answer, don't you? He directs us to himself by the magnetic pull of his word to the Bible. He implies the word, he employs the, the word of truth to transform us so that we should be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, the people to whom James writes this letter are Christians who heard the gospel, who heard the word of truth, and had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word was planted in them, and they were reborn, regenerated by hearing the truth. But as we know, that is not where matters end. Just as a baby that comes into this world by birth needs to be fed and nourished in order to grow and mature, 
those who are born again must come to full maturity in Jesus Christ by being fed and nourished through his word. They may not remain spiritually immature. And how are reborn Christians fed? Well, once again, you know the answer. The word of truth, which is the agent of our rebirth, is to be the focal point of our life and of our obedience to the Lord. We who are dead in sin are raised through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not ghosts in the graveyard, but we are raised from the dead. We shed our grave clothes and we walk in the newness of life. And this is where the verses of our text take us. If you are to grow and mature as Christian men and women, as boys and girls, because this is just as much for you as it is for adults, if we are to grow and mature, then we need to listen and listen well to the voice of Christ who calls us. And not just once, but time after time. And he requires us to be hearers and doers of his word. Now it's a challenge in the best of times, isn't it? To follow through on what James says in the verses of our text and to have a real hunger for and to feed on the riches of God's word. To have a desire implanted in our hearts not only to be busy with God's word, but to take the next step and to put all these things into practice in our daily lives and the decisions that we make and all the interactions that we have with others. It's far easier to be satisfied with polishing the outside surface of our lives and to use the Bible as some inspirational and motivational handbook that you turn to just to find a text that will make you feel good and will help you have positive thoughts about life. God the Father chose to give us rebirth through the word of truth. And we must go to work with that word. The implanted word does far more than just give you some mental boost or a spiritual picker-upper. The word has the power to transform you and the authority to demand obedience. And this is why the word which has the power to save our souls is to be received with meekness and humility of heart in order that we may be changed and transformed by it. James, as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, provides us with clear instruction on how we are to make the most of our time with the word of God. Those who view the hearing of God's word as a mere religious duty 
and give it a scant glance once a week during a worship service, we'll not see much value in the spoken word. But let me submit to you this. If you and I are going to make any progress in life and show any maturity in faith, it will not happen apart from hearing, receiving, and applying God's word to our lives. By a continual, faithful hearing of the life-giving word of God, the new nature is stimulated into action. Now, a key word in the verses 19 through 21 is the word receive. James says we need to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Now, what does this entail? In the first place, it means that we cannot sit back and expect change in our lives through the word to somehow come upon us automatically or through some process of osmosis. Now, listening to the gospel message involves spiritual energy, commitment, a concentrated effort, and the use of all our faculties. And secondly, we need to keep in mind the context in which these words are spoken. For James is not merely offering some proverb to give us some direction on the topic of hearing and speaking. Instead, he is referring to the posture of a Christian, which a Christian needs to have when the word of God is read, preached, and received. So the main issue is this. How am I responding to the word of the Lord when it is read and when it is preached? You may have noticed how being obedient to God by humbly receiving the word binds these verses together. So receiving the word means working with the gospel, with the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ that we hear, having an eagerness to grab hold of every opportunity to increase our hearing of God's word and to use every privileged occasion to obtain knowledge of God and of his will as that comes to us through his word. So, those who worship the Lord should be marked by three characteristics. In the first place, we are to be quick to hear. Yes, the mark of a child of God is our eagerness to be under the teaching ministry of Christ. We come eager to receive the word, examining the scriptures daily to be established in the truth and to see if these things are indeed so. Disciples of Jesus long to hear the word of the Lord at every possible and privileged opportunity so that they may know him more thoroughly, 
to find answers for life's questions, to hope in the cross, to find comfort in trials, to receive forgiveness of our sins, assurance, reconciliation, and grace. We are encouraged to be quick to hear the implanted word because that word has the power to deliver and save our souls from condemnation and eternal ruin. And by responding to the word, we have communion with the living God. Yes, the Lord speaks to you through the living and abiding word. And that is why, boys and girls, when he speaks, we are to sit quietly, to listen, to receive it, together with our parents and others who need to listen and to receive this as well. Being quick to hear shapes the attitude that we will have when the word of the Lord is opened on a Sunday, explained during a catechism lesson, listened to during a Bible lesson at home, school, or in church, and studied while gathered together with others. So you and I need to do some personal soul-searching, don't we? How will I ever impact the lives of others in a positive and meaningful way if I don't have a desire to grow and mature by hearing God's word? How will I ever grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding and be a blessing to others if I never take the time to find a place to listen to the voice of God speaking to me on the pages of Scripture. James, as a servant of the Lord, reminds us of the importance of putting aside all excuses and overcoming the barriers of hearing the word. Oh, our busyness can get in the way so that we are distracted while listening or we are too physically and emotionally exhausted. Our social environment can keep us occupied with a visual and virtual world. And that, accompanied by the desire to be entertained, may well be impairing our listening. We all know that we shouldn't be on the roads as impaired drivers. Well, neither should we be sitting in our favorite pew as impaired listeners. We must slow down and take the time to listen, praying Samuel's eager words, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And today, more than ever, we have opportunity. To listen to God speak to us while on our way to work and to a meeting. We have access to Bible apps and reams of sermons on podcasts and websites. 
And the second characteristic we need to have is that we are slow to speak. So quick to listen and now slow to speak. And that starts with what happens here in the pulpit. When explaining a text of scripture, every minister needs to make sure that what is being said is biblically sound and accurate. You're not changed by the personal opinions of a minister, but by the word of truth. So there must be a holy reluctance to speak. Do not assume the responsibility of speaking, preaching, and teaching unless your heart is prepared and ready to speak the word of truth. And furthermore, being slow to speak allows your hearts as listeners to be open to the instruction of the Holy Spirit. For through the hearing of God's word, the Holy Spirit will change the patterns of our thoughts and of our minds. Hearing the preached word is a means of grace whereby the Holy Spirit works faith in your hearts. And a third characteristic of proper listening is this. We are to be slow to anger. Now, initially, that might not seem to have anything to do with how we listen to the word of God. But it does. I am not allowed to be be angry in the pulpit with the word of God. And to come to you with that kind of anger. And you can't be angry in the pew listening to the word of God. We are to listen to what the word of the Lord says about our lives without speaking against it or getting angry about it. And the anger spoken of by James may not necessarily be an outward explosion of emotion, but can refer to something that is brewing beneath the surface. James says, when you hear the word, don't block it from doing its work. Don't get resentful and try to deflect attention away from yourself and get angry at the preacher or the one who is reading the scriptures when the word of truth is making you feel the pinch and confronts you with your sin. Do you remember what Paul said to those who became angry with him for his preaching? He says in Galatians 4, verse 16, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? And why must I be slow to anger? Well, the the answer is pretty straightforward, isn't it? It does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger distracts you and keeps you from listening correctly and from growing in grace and in the righteousness of God that comes to you in Jesus Christ. An angry spirit is never a teachable spirit and can very well be the reason why we don't get something out of the reading and hearing of God's word. 
So we are to receive the word of God with meekness. That is to have a teachable spirit. We let the Lord work in us through his spirit. And then in the second half of our text, James makes clear that our responsibility does not stop merely with hearing the word of God. We are to be in the habit of intently listening so that we will be doers of the word as well. Now we live in a time with way more focus on the visual. Listening has taken on a recreational tone so that the whole worship experience needs to be entertaining and a pleasant experience. People do not necessarily come to listen with the goal of responding and following through by being doers of the word and being transformed by what they hear. We mark it as a good and uplifting experience then if the person up front was pleasant to listen to, was dynamic, enthusiastic, and passionate, and preferably concise. Yet the entire experience is worthless and will actually testify against us if it does nothing to us by the time we have heard the benediction and we are ready to file out of here. Even as we get back to where we left off before entering the building. If we consistently and diligently attend, but it does not change and transform us, we are in great peril. We are deceiving ourselves if we think the act of listening is an end in itself. The word of God is living and active and reveals his ways in order to direct our steps, answer our questions about life, and how we are to live in the light of the gospel. And so the Lord lays it on our hearts to be doers of the word. Oh, the danger is very real for all of us, isn't it, that we become so accustomed to the riches we have in Christ that our senses become dull to the call to daily repentance and conversion. Repeatedly, God's word uncovers things in our lives that we need to throw away, things that hinder our growth and maturity in Jesus Christ. And then James uses an illustration to underline his point. An individual who hears the word of God but is not a doer of the word is like someone who looks in the mirror, goes away, and forgets what he saw. And you know how that goes, don't you? Perhaps you had it happen to you while, while getting ready for church. I wouldn't be surprised if you looked in a mirror at least once but had to go back. Because you forgot what you saw. And if I told you that some of you have 
toothpaste on the corner of your mouth right now, you wouldn't be sure if I was serious or not. You've forgotten how you've looked, haven't you? And that's why some of you are doing this to the corner of your mouth. Do you understand where the analogy is taking us? It is somewhat convicting, isn't it? Like the person looking into the mirror, we come to church to look for a while in the word of God. Perhaps with a passing glance and some intensity. But how soon don't we forget the very message of God's word because we're distracted. We hear the word of God and we move on. And so we go back to our daily work and routines and nothing gets adjusted or changed because we hardly have time to to go back to the mirror of God's perfect word. We can hardly imagine ourselves lingering over what we have heard by sitting in the pew for a few minutes after the service, looking over the matters we have learned, or sitting a few minutes at the dinner table after the reading is done. Look at how often we have difficulty sticking intently, habitually, and consistently with Bible study, let alone applying it. How often don't we expect the word to do something to us without engaging our minds and making the effort to grow? And then we wonder why it is that we feel it isn't doing anything to us. But when we look intently into the law, into the word of the Lord and listen, we will find ourselves edified, changed, and eager to share. As servants of Jesus, we are to look with great intensity into the mirror of God's perfect law, the law of liberty. Literally, we stoop over to search out the perfect word of the Lord. We see the ugliness of sin, the weaknesses and the blemishes that are in our life. What we hear convicts us of our own unworthiness. And we do something about it. We seek help from the great physician. The word of God is called here the perfect law. Because it is the complete and authoritative instruction from God. It is the law of freedom that directs us to the way out of the slavery of sin. A person who looks intently into the mirror for some time can be disturbed by what he or she sees. Just ask a self-conscious teenager. As a parent, you may tell your daughter or son just to stop looking in the mirror all the time and they'll be fine. But with the perfect word of truth, we keep looking. Oh, the perfect law of God shows all our our blemishes, all our zits and warts, 
But it also directs us to Christ, who sets us free from the slavery of sin and covers all our blemishes. And the longer we look into the mirror of the perfect word, then what do we see? We don't see ourselves, but we see the face of Christ. The blessing of the Christian life is not in hearing alone, but in doing. Well, what you have heard this afternoon, it's not deep, it's not profound, it's not new. But when it is applied, it is life-changing. And therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to grow and to mature in the Lord Jesus Christ by hearing, receiving, and applying the word. Amen.